Today's daf is daf Memtes, page 49. In the Helegim Masechah Zedarim, we are up to the sixth parak, And we pick up from the very top of the daf. And today's daf and the parak are going to focus on expressions of vows and the parameters around the actual words that were used. For example... If I decide that a word means something to me, that it doesn't mean something, and that word does not mean the same thing to you. What decides what a word means? For example, there's a word in today's society called woke. W-O-K-E. Until two years ago, if you heard the word woke, it means You woke up in the morning. Now the word woke has a whole different connotation. In more of a kid type of uh, vibe, my kids have started using an expression called sick. A few years ago, the word sick meant you weren't feeling well. Now, if you do something really cool, that is so sick. It's like, it is, that is so cool. The word sick means cool. That's what it means to them. Sick. You do something that's like cool. It's like, wow, that's sick. Like, sick? <laughs> sick. What is it? But when they use that word, that's what it means. It's not, it's not about not feeling well. Right? So now, what does the word mean? It depends how people use it. So if I make a nether, for example, the case of our mission, one of the cases of our mission is going to be, somebody makes a nether that he's not going to eat Tavshil. Now the word bishul in Hebrew means cooked. Does it mean, what does tavshil mean? Does it mean anything that's ready to eat? Does tavshil mean, is, is roasted called cooked? Is fried called cooked? Is only boiled in water called cooked? What, what does cooked mean? It just depends on the way that people use it. Okay, so our Mishnah is going to get into words and how if somebody uses these words to make another, what is going to be the extent of the vow sometimes, whether you like it or not. Sometimes it could be a chumrah, sometimes it could be a kula, it could be a stringency or a leniency. If you use that word, you're going to have to follow through the way society, the environment around you interprets those words. All right, that's going to be the focus of our Mishnah. Let us get going. Zog the Mishnah, a person who takes a vow, min he says, I'm forbidding myself to eat from that which is cooked. Min Says the Mishnah, you could eat roasted things, that's fine. Something roasted, you could eat. Shalok, something that's not completely cooked, also it's permitted to eat. It's not included in the cooking family. Okay? So I made another, I'm forbidding that which is cooked. Lalacha is... You could still eat from that which is roasted or not really cooked. Next case, Omar. If a guy says, I am making a kainam, I'm making a vow, forbidding myself from eating a cooked food, a cooked food that I'm not going to taste. I'm going to refrain from cooked foods from tasting. Okay? Now, the Gemara later on the daf is going to tell us that 
for some reason, in, the, in that environment, when you would say, Tavshil she'eni to'em, it doesn't mean, it, you're not referring to anything that's cooked. You're actually going to be referring to something cooked, which is eaten at a meal with bread, as we're going to see. Okay? So the Allah is going to be, you're not allowed to eat with, we'll call them, um, or the, is, is that called like uh, condiments or spreads? Right, you have like a garlic, a dip. Let's call it a dip, okay? So, you're not going to be allowed to eat from a loose, soft dip. But if it's more solid, then it's going to be permitted because something solid is not eaten with bread. And what did I say? I said, I'm a kainam from tasting a tafshul. And again, the tafshul is a dip. If it's thick, it's not a dip. It's only if it's soft, is it going to be a problem, Okay. Umutr bebeitza tormusa, and you're also going to be allowed to eat an egg called the tormusa egg, the tormuta egg. The Gemara later on, Bez Hashem, that we'll get to in a couple days, is going to teach us the tormuta egg is a fascinating egg that was cooked in a wild way. We'll learn what that is. There's a wild way they, they would eat, use the, the, cook the egg. And once the egg was cooked, apparently, it was able to diagnose illnesses. Was able to diagnose illnesses. Doctors would use it and have the patient eat some of it and see what happened. And, and they were able to figure out what illness was going on. So it was very rare and expensive. Ubedalas haramutza. And also a delas, a melon, which is a remutza melon. Okay. What's a, what's a remutza melon? So that's also going to be a fascinating uh, Gemara Bez Hashem ahead of us where. Uh, the Gemara itself is going to struggle with this. The Gemara is not going to be sure how to, uh, you know, how to um, how to translate it. But ultimately, ultimately, it seems the Gemara is going to. There, there's machlekas whether it's a it's a melon from a unique place called Karkuza, or whether it is a melon baked with ashes. Ultimately, the Gemara says it's a it's a rare, unique melon that was uh, that was quite expensive. Okay, so again, that's not going to be included. In this term of vow of tavshol she'eni toyim, okay. Hanoider. Next case. Hanoider mi'maisikidera. A person who makes a nether, he says, "I'm not going to eat from anything that's made in a pot." Guess what? Ain aser el mi'maisa resachso. You're only. It's only going to be aser from something that is very dependent on hot water. So if you say, "I'm, I'm refraining from maisikidera," now it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be usher to eat something that needs to be cooked for a very long time. Why? See in the Gemara. Again, what's it going to be, be based around? The way people use these expressions. Okay. Next case. Omar. If a guy says, I'm making a vow. I'm forbidding myself. Anything that goes down into a pot, I will not taste. Guess what happens? Anything that goes down into a pot, I will not taste. Okay. So anything that goes into the pot, you're not allowed to taste, even if it's not even cooked. You put it in the pot, turn on the fire, all of a sudden it's usher. It's not even cooked. Why? Because you said anything that goes down into the pot. It's all about, again, what's the common theme in this Mishnah? Use words, and the words that you use are going to be dependent on how people in your society, in your environment, interpret it. Okay, let's get into the Gemara. Zuck the Gemara. Tani we learned Rabbi Yishia says that if I say Hanayder bin Amavashel, the Tanakama said you can't eat cooked items, but you could eat roasted. Rabbi Yishia says no, you cannot even eat roasted. 
Once you say cooked, roasted is called cooked. And we can hear that, right? We can hear that. The Afal P.E. Shein Rael Dover, and Rebbe says he's going to have a proof. But Zechel Dover, a way to remember a hint to this in the Torah that roasting is called cooking is Shenemar Vayavashtu Asa Pesach Ba'esh. They cooked the Karban Pesach in fire. That's roasting. Roasting is fire. And we're still calling it cooking. Kamishpat, according to Allah. Fine. So says Rebbe you see, cooking, same thing. As roasting, it's all the same type of expression. It's, inclu- it's an inclusive word. And it would, uh, the Tanakama holds you, you would be allowed to eat roasting because it's different. Rabbi Yeshua says it's not. Okay. Maybe it's about the following. You follow the way the Torah uses the expression. The Torah uses the expression of roasting and calls it cooking. You don't follow the Pesukim the Torah, you follow the way people use it. And people call roasting, roasting, and cooking, cooking. So if I'm forbidden to cook, I can still eat a roasted item. To which the Gemara answers, no, that's light, that's not necessarily the Machlech. Everybody's going to agree to the rule that when if you take a vow, you're going to have to follow the, the, the words, you're going to have to follow the way people understand it. But guess what? The Tanakam and Rebbeishia, lived in different locations. They had different locales, and therefore the word of cooking had different meanings. But Asr in the in the city of the Tanakama Litsali Karlitsli. Roasted meant roasted. Ulavoshul, something cooked, Karle Mavoshul was called cooked. But where Avaishia lived, I feel Litsali Karmavoshul. As long as it was you know cooked with heat, it was cooked. It was cooked in the oven, it was cooked on the stovetop, it was cooked on the grill, it was cooked. They called it all cooked. And therefore, Vaishya says, if you forbid cooking, you can't even eat something roasted, you can't eat uh, anything that was made edible through heat. Okay? Says the Gemara. One second. We're agree- There's certainly a machlaikas here between Vaishya and Tanakama as to what the halach is. We thought the machlaikas was based around whether you follow the Torah or you follow people. The Gemara now said, no, it's just about the way people talk. So the Gemara says, so why did Rav Aishia bring a Pasuk? Right? Ask the Gemara about Kra Nasavla. Rav Aishia says, you know how I know roasting is called cooking? Because by the Korban Pesach, it says, Vayavashlu esa Pesach Beish. So it's about the Pasuk. It's not about the way people talk. So the Gemara responds, no, asmachtabam. He's just leaning his halacha on that Pasuk. Meaning, Rav Aishia agrees with the concept a nether follows the location of the way people talk. He agrees. Where Avaishia lived, roasting and cooking were the same thing. Everything was called cooking. And Avaishia says, I'll explain to you why in my city, roasting's called cooking. Don't tell us we're crazy. Because even in the Torah, it says, Vayavashlu asa Pesach ba'ish. So he's not, he's not like using the Pasuk as his whole basis of what happened in his city. He's just using, he's just showing that the people in his city weren't crazy for calling roasting cooking. Okay, beautiful, period. End of that, uh, end of that Gemara. But again, just, keep in mind, what's happening here? When you use an expression, you say an expression, you say, I'm forbidding myself from cooking. What are you going to be ushered to eat? Wherever you live, whatever that means. Wherever you live, whatever that means. If roasting's cooking, come be ushered. If cooking is called cooking and roasting's called roasting, then you're limited to cooking. Okay. Beautiful. Two dots. A little more than halfway down on Memtes and Madala 49A. Let's keep going. <laughs>
Kainam Tashu Vachulu. If a person says, I'm making a Kainam from She'eni Tayim, I'm not going to taste this cooked food. So we said, interesting in the Mishnah, we said, interesting, he's, only, he's not allowed to eat anything which was loose. Um, anything that was uh, kind of liquidy, like a dip, uh, like a dip type of thing. But if it was thicker, then it's not called, it's not included in the cooked food, mavushal category. So the Gemara says, I mean, why is he allowed to eat a thick salad? He said, I'm not eating anything cooked. So why is he allowed to eat a cooked salad? The, the, our Tana holds that it's only called Tavshil. That word Tavshil is only used when it's eaten with bread. Kind of like a dip. The Hatanya, and we learned in Ebrisa, Hanaydam and Tavshil. If somebody forbids himself from eating from Tavshil, you cannot eat anything that's, uh, that's included in cooked. <clears throat> you now let eat roasted. You can't eat partially cooked. You can't eat completely cooked. And he's also not allowed to eat these, these uh, underripe squash because sick people eat this underripe squash in order to get healthy. Okay? So you see that squash is also included in, uh, in tavshil. Hence, only if it's eaten along with bread is it called a tavshil. If it's something that's not eaten with bread, it's not going to be included in tavshil. And we're going to stick with that. The Gemara is going to agree that that's the reason why. That's the reason why you're not allowed to eat liquidy foods. Because again, that's called tavshil. That's eaten with bread. But if it's more solid and it stands by itself, it will be allowed. Fine. Now, that's the halachas pertaining to our Mishnah. Now, we quoted a b'risa just now, which said that, you know, sick people, it's good to eat squash. That was like the end of the b'risa. So the Gemara is now going to question that and give us a little bit of a uh, historical uh, um, medicine uh, tips, medicinal tips. Here we go. So the Gemara, is it true that eating uh, these, uh, this squash... Is healthy for a person? When Abirmiya was sick, there was a Asya, there was a, a healer that came to heal Rabirmiya. And he saw there was squash in Rabirmiya's house, and he know what he said? Shavke, he left. He turned around and left. He said, I'm not wasting my time here. If this guy's eating squash, I'm out of here. Whatever I'm doing, says this healer. Ain't gonna help. Why? Amar, he said, There's a Malach above us living, living here in the house, i.e. the squash, which is terrible for a person. And have a doctor say, I'm only willing to help you if you're willing to eat healthier. Dude, you gotta change your eating habits. Otherwise, nothing I can do for you, right? See, this doctor comes in and he says, he says sorry, that's the Malach above us. That's the Malach HaMavis, the, the squash. Uh, he turns around. He says, I'm out of here. You, you want me to heal you while, uh, while you're eating this stuff? Can't do that. So the Gemara is asking, why, why are you telling me that oh, squash is called Tavshil because uh, sick people eat it? Ask the Gemara, sick people should not be eating this. Terrible for sick, pe- sick people. Yeah? It's kind of like that, um, that shtick, that comic shtick, that... Uh, from one of the famous Jewish comedians who talks about how nowadays it, 
nowadays the doctors tell you everything you eat will kill you. He said at a certain point, I was looking around the health food store and I was thinking to myself, these are just different ways to choose how to die. <laughs> coffee, this. Eggs, terrible. Too cholesterol. Too much coffee. Too much, you know, uh, too much oil. Too much sugar. Too much this. He's like, oh, well, I'm not going to eat anything. Everybody's telling me whatever I eat is going to be terrible, right? He says, no, maybe, I don't know. Is squash good? Is it not good? Well, what's happening here? It's going to answer like, gosh, no question. Okay. It depends. Softer squash is good for a sick person. If it's hard, it's not good for a sick person. Okay, so it's true. Certain foods are good if you eat them properly. It's not good if you don't eat it properly. Rabbi Bar-Ula, Amar Rabbi says, another possible answer how to understand whether squash is good or not. One's talking about the squash, the, the actual flesh of the squash, and the other one's talking about the bigave, the insides of the squash. Meaning, Dhamma of Yehuda, Luliva Dekara uh, Basilka, that the, the inside of a squash is good to have with Luliva Dekara, Silka's leek. It's good to have it cooked with leek. Luliva Dekisona Bekusta, and also. Um, if when you have flax, that's also healthy. If you have it with a dip, the dovarzeh. Listen to this: is gishmak. Chaver is such an important message. He says, you know, there are certain things that are good, but the dovarzeh also Don't tell amaratzim. He was saying, if you, there, there's certain, there's medicinal value to that you could extrapolate from a flax plant before it ripens. You can get medicinal value. He says, but don't tell Amaratzim. What's an Amaratz? Somebody who doesn't know Gedarim. Somebody who doesn't understand boundaries. They're ignorant towards things. And he says, what they're going to do is, they're just going to start walking the flax fields and chopping them down before it fully grows. Just to get all the medicinal things. And you need flax in the world too. See, what happens is, and this is, this is you know, we, in our own lifetimes, we can think of, of examples of this. You could have something that was myridic, excellent, a beautiful thing. They discover something else about it, and then it just destroys everything. They, you know, somebody sees this as a money-making a, a, a ability to make a lot of money, and then, you know, it works out individually for them. But what the world needed is now gone, and it takes a, it's a big loss. He says this flax plant has medicinal values, but don't tell Amaratzim. They're going to take advantage of this and it's going to mess everything up. Rav Amar, Rav says, Man chulin, who's called sick? Rabbanon. It's referring to Tamidei Chachomim. Meaning, a real sick person should not be eating these. We ask the contradiction. Squash, good, not good. He says, a real sick person, you're right, should not be eating. But a person who's like sick, who's referring to Tamidei Chachomim, they could eat squash. What does this mean? Says the Gemara, Rav Letamei, Rav Letamei, Rav is consistent with his explanation of what chaylin means. The Yomar Rav, because Rav says, top of Memtas Amad Beis, According to his opinion, do we daven the whole year for people who are sick? It follows the opinion of Rabbi This is getting into a fascinating, fascinating 
Machoikas and Meseches Rosh Hashanah, whether Hashem judges a person every single day, whether Hashem judges us only on Rosh Hashanah, or Yaisi held that a person's judged every single day, and therefore it's important to daven for somebody else um, uh, every single day. But Lamaisa, uh, that Omar Ketzirei Umerei, since we talk about davening for Ketzirei and Merei, which means somebody who's sick, and somebody who's kind of sick, What it means is, people who are sick means taka, sick. And merei, people who are weak, is referring to the Rabbanon. Why? Because the Rabbanon, as the Mepharshim here explained, very often uh, had weaker bodies. They weren't out there exercising. They were sitting in the basementers. They were sitting and learning. And uh, they didn't have the advantage of taking care of their health the same way that uh, the same way that other people did. Okay, but the bottom line is another way. What the Gemara is answering over here is another way to answer the question uh, of the contradiction: Is squash good or not good? One place says good, one place says not good. The answer is it's not good for a person if he's really sick. It is good for a person if he's like the Rabbanon, if he's like a Talmud Chacham who has a weaker body. That you know, it's uh, the, the squash would serve him well to strengthen the body. But once you're in a category of sick. That's when you refrain from squash, and that's why the doctor turned around and walked out of the room. All right, Viter, here we go. Third line from the top of Memtes, Omad Beis, last two words, our Mishnah said, Umutr Be'ove. Mutr Be'ove, what happened? What was that case? Again, you have a guy who makes a nether that, Kainam Tavshul She'eni Tayin. I'm in a Kainam on cooked foods, I'm not going to taste. We said, if it's a loose food like a dip, then then you're not allowed to eat it. But if it's thicker, something thicker you're not going to eat with bread, it becomes mutter. That's allowed to eat. There's no problem. All right. Says the does not go according to the custom of the people of Bavel. Means... The people of Bava would use this expression in a different way. It would even include thicker foods. Tavshu. Why? says, You have people from Bava who are tipshoi or foolish. They eat bread with bread. What does it mean they eat bread with bread? They eat bread with thicker foods. Okay. Mamela. If you have a thicker food and you eat that with bread... Says that's tipshoy. It's a foolish thing to do. Abdulmaisa, if that's what you do, and you forbade yourself from tavshil, so even thicker things, you cannot, you cannot, um, you cannot eat if you took a vet. Fine. Again, follow along. What's the whole theme here? When you make an expression, you have to follow what it means in your environs. Amar of Chista of Chista says, "Ika demishael." Is there somebody who can ask lahain these? These people that are eating dinner in Hutzel. Hutzel was a city in Bavel. Meaning, he wants to go to a restaurant in Bavel and ask them how they would understand an expression. When I have daisa, daisa is kind of like a, a rice, cooked rice cereal. Okay? What well, we would call in today's day and age, cream of wheat, so, you know, something of that sort. So, um, 
Hechi Maile Lemechla. What's the most Maile Dika way to eat it? Dechiti Balachma Dechiti, Udesari Balachma Desari. Should you eat a, you know, a cream of wheat, farina, with bread? And if it's made out of barley, you should eat with barley bread. Or maybe it's best for a person to use the, the rice cereal, or that we'll call it the hot cereal, of barley. Maybe you should eat that with wheat bread. And if, it's, if the hot cereal is made out of uh, wheat, a wheat, like cream of wheat, you should eat that with barley bread. What's the best way to eat it? So the Gemara says, Rava Rava would eat his bread with chasisi. Chasisi, the Mepharshim here explain, is, um, is, was some sort of cereal that was cooked with dried out flour. Rabba Baravuna, Rabba Baravuna, Ashkechele Ravuna, he found Ravuna. So Rabba found his father. He was eating daisa, he was eating hot cereal with his fingers. So he says to him, Why are you eating hot cereal with your fingers? Amarle, he said to him, Hachi Amarav, Rav taught us, Daisa be'etzbosei b'sim v'chol dechein b'tartin, that if you eat hot cereal, with, uh, feed hot cereal with a finger, it's going to be, um, it's going to be uh, b'sim, it's going to be, it'll be good, it'll taste good, and if you eat with two fingers, it'll taste even better, v'chol dechein b'tlas, and with three fingers, it tastes the best. If my, if you know, if my kids would learn this Gemara, it's a good thing I'm not home when we're learning this. It's a good thing where we're here in Shul of it. Yeah, try it tomorrow morning. To say what you see, what your wife says, Yerbiel. Okay, Amarlei. You know what the answer is? Beferish Gemara. Often a Gemara. What do you What do you want me to do? Use a use. You know, use a, use a spoon. That's why we have fingers like this. You know. And Ravuna also taught this to Rabba. If you're ever invited for a meal made out of hot cereal of Daisa, it's Kedai to walk. It's worthwhile walking a Parsa, meaning it's healthy for you, it's good for you. If you're ever invited to a party, where they're serving meat from an ox, ad tlosa parson. It's even more healthy, and you should be willing to walk up to three parson. Okay? So this is just good advice that the Gemara here is telling us, that there are there is certain food that's kedai to uh, focus on. You know, cleans out the gas tank. Make sure, make sure that the health remains in place. Rav said to his son, After they would eat, they would have like a, what's it called? A, spit, a spittle? They, they, they used to have things like by the front of the house, people would spit into, they'd spit their phlegm. Spittoon? Spittoon. Spittoon. Yeah. Okay. So he says, if you eat something and your Rebbe's there, you don't spit. Levar min kara unless you're eating squash or, or daisa, this hot rice cereal. Okay? There, shehein daimen lefsilta shel avar. Okay? There, it's important you spit it out because otherwise it's going to be like lead 
in your body. Even in front of a king, uh, in front of Shavar Malka, you spit it out. That's Mamisha Sakana, to not spit out the saliva afterwards. I just want to fo- pause here and focus here in a, just a very general form. I believe the Gemara is letting us know that wh- why is it important that Rav would tell these things to his son Chia and Ravuna would tell these things to his son Rabba? It's a posh thing, a simple thing. But the Gemara is letting us know it's a parent's achrayas to teach their children how to eat healthy and to, how to stay safe. And how to do these things. Sometimes we, th- we take for granted. And we think, oh, pe- people know, people this, that. Say, no, this is, this is an achrayas of a parent. Achrayas of a parent is you teach your child how to eat, what to eat. What, are they going to listen? I don't know. It's not my achrayas. doesn't matter. But you don't feed your kid junk. You can make your kid happy and give, I'm not, I'm not saying not to give a kid a candy, right? It's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, it's, it's a parent's responsibility to ensure their children have good habits. Have good eating habits, good uh, healthy habits. These are the, the Amiram here. We're, we're careful to make sure their, their children were, were familiar with, with proper, proper healthy eating habits. One was eating the hot cereal with his fingers. Another one was using a hutza. We'll translate this as hutza vidafna are various types of twigs and, and pieces of wood. Over here it's referring to a spoon. Yeah, you know, one used his fingers and one used the hutza, one used the spoon. Amar lay, the achabu hutza, the achabu atzbasi. The guy was using a spoon and eating with proper etiquette said to the guy who was using his fingers, Admasi atam achil natsayasecha. Why are you using your fingers? It's terrible hygiene. Terrible hygiene. You know where your hands have been? It's gross. You know what's going on on your hands? The, the, the bacteria that's there. What are you using your fingers for? He said to him, the one who ate with his fingers, responded to the one using a spoon, How, uh, until when are you going to eat, Rukha is your spit. Okay, eat your spit. What he's saying is like this. He says, when you use a spoon, so you're going to put it in your mouth to eat the hot food, right? And then you're going to take it out and then you're going to take more food and put it right back in your mouth. Guess what's happening? You're eating your own spit that's on your spoon. Okay. So what's going to happen is your spit that left your mouth, that's supposed to be spit out, is, is, uh, is out already. Okay. So now, ah, uh, you could say, what, even if you use your fingers. You can use your fingers. So the rush says what happened was the guy who's using his fingers was cleaning off his hand between bites. He's cleaning off his hands. So one guy is trying to be uh, trying to be healthy by using a spoon. And the other guy says, no, use your fingers, but wipe them off in between. Okay, fine. Very good. That's the end of the story. Zehu. So that's the end of the story. All right. Each one ate their bowl. Each one had their approach. Doesn't tell us who's right. But what it tells us is, I'll tell you another, uh, 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 clearly a message which is the same way a parent has the obligation to teach a child proper uh, eating habits. You have two Tanoim. They're eating together, Rabbi Yaisi and Rabbi Yehuda. 
And uh, they each have their own approach to health, and they're disagreeing, and you know what, that's fine too. And I think there's a beautiful message in that, that so- sometimes you're eating a bowl of chalent, and the guy next to you is like, ugh, chalent will kill you. And the other guy's like, what do you mean? You got to eat this type, and you got to eat that type. You know what, you do your best, everybody's good, shalom al Yisrael. You know, the Abish still will take care of you. It's fine. Besed. Just don't do anything dumb. Everybody's got their own approach. Gewaldik. All right. Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi and Rabbi Shimon. Aisu lekamayu bepluf. Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon. Aisu lekamayu. It was brought in front of them. Belufsin. Okay. Belufsin is a very hard fig. It's a very hard fig. Rabbi Yehuda achil. Rabbi Shimon lo achil. Rabbi Yehuda ate it. Rabbi Shimon didn't want to eat it. Amalei Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda said, my time of the no, you don't like figs, delicious figs, come on. Amalei Rabbi Shimon, Elo and Yaitzim, Ibn Amei Ayin, Kol These figs, when you eat them, they don't come out. They get stuck. You know, it's like adults would tell kids when they would swallow their gum. What are you, nuts? The gum's going to get stuck. It's going to catch everything that gets stuck inside your body. And then you tell a kid who eats an apple seed, he's going to start growing an apple tree out of his ears. Right? So Rabbi Shimon says that uh, the, these things, not, not, not in that expression, but he was saying, basically, it's, it's not good for your insides. It's not healthy. That's why I'm not eating it. Um, he says, let me tell you something. It's kind of like matzah in that... I know that it stays in your body longer, but actually when the food stays in your body longer, it has the opportunity to give nutrition to your body for longer. Because the body digests it slower. And therefore, just the fact that it's in your body longer is, um, is, uh, is a reason to eat it. It's not, a, it's not a reason to stay away. Okay, very good. Again, who's right? Doesn't matter. It's two different approaches here. Each one's just doing their best. Even doing their best to stay healthy, you know, with their, their mahalach. But you got to do your best. You got to do your best. That's it. You got you to eat healthy. Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi Yasef, Kameh, Rabbi Tarfin. Rabbi Yudah was sitting in front of Rabbi Tarfin. Amalei, Rabbi Tarfin, Tarfin said, Ayayim panecha tzohuvim. Today your face is tzohuv. Tzohuv means it's, it's, um, it's like yellowish. It's glowing. It's glowing. You have, a, you have a beautiful countenance today. Amar Leib, Shabbat said to him, Emesh, yesterday, Yatsu avodecha lasadeh veheviyu lanu trodin. Your servants went to the field and brought us trodin. Trodin are beets. Va'achalnum belay melech. And we ate the beets without salt, which Shabbat is telling him, that, oh, you know, if, if, if I look healthy today, if I have a nice countenance, if I look more robust and healthy, I'm going to think of what I ate most recently, and that must be the underlying cause. And I know I ate cooked beets that didn't have without any additives. And you should know if we would have added salt, we would look even better. Okay. Now, Amra Hahim Yehuda. So listen to this. There's a, there's a, this is an addendum to the story. Because look at the, the first part of the story. Let's, what, what happened? Rabbi Yehuda is one of Rabbi Tarfin. Rabbi Tarfin says to him, Rabbi Yehuda, you're so good looking. Yeah, you have such a beautiful countenance. Rabbi Yehuda says, yeah, it's, it's what I ate yesterday. What I ate yesterday impacted why I look good right now. Yeah? Fine. What happened was, there was a he matronisa, there was a matron, a noble woman that came 
to Rabbi Yehuda. Myra Viravi. Okay. And she said, Myra, you're giving a psak halacha, you're giving guidance. Virave, and you're drunk. Okay. Why'd she say you're drunk? The Ran says, because he, he, he looked good. He looked like he was happy and everything was good. So she thought that he drank a lot of wine. So she says, why, why are you passing Shilas? Omar Lai says to her, Hemnusa bidodahi itza ita imna ala kedusha of the Altabarbakasi de Bizra. You should know, he says to her, I swear, the only wine I consume is Friday night, Matzei Shabbos, Dalit Kaisis on Pesach. The Chaigrate saw them in Pesach at Atzeres, and then I, um, um, and then after my Dalit Kaisis, I have to, the Chaigrai, I tie together Tzedai. Tzedai are the sides of the head. Min Pesach at Atzeres, from Pesach until Atzeres. Okay? So, what he's saying is that, that um, the reason why my face is shining has nothing to do with wine, it has nothing to do with alcohol. Ella, rather, Chachmas Adam Tarapanov. You could see on a person's face, when a person has a certain shine, a beauty, that a countenance on their, fa- on their face, it comes from Chachma, comes from wisdom. Okay? Now what you see from here as well is something fascinating, because remember, what was the original story between Rabbi Yudah and Rabbi Tarfin? Rabbi Tarfin said to Rabbi Yudah, why do you look so good? So when it came to Rabbi Tarfin, Rabbi Yudah wasn't going to give him Musr or be proud and say, oh, because I'm a Chacham. Right? Not going to say that. So he says to Tarfin, he blamed it on what he ate. Yeah? But Lemaise, the, the Gemara is ultimately telling us is that the reason why Rabbi had this beautiful shine, this beautiful countenance, is because the Chachma, he was a happy person, he was, he was a thinker, he had his mind in order. When a person has their mind in order, they have a countenance. Amalei Hutzduki Rabbi Yehuda was a Tzaduki who said to Rabbi Yehuda, you look so good. You look so good. Either you must make money off of lending on interest, right? You must give out mortgages or whatever. You're making tons of money off other people. Or, because, or, or it's that uh, you raise PIGs. Okay? Apparently I made a lot of money because the, the meat of a PIG is very much wanted. And PIGs don't eat anything that's important, right? They roll in mud and they eat garbage and whatever. So it's a, it's a very lucrative business. They're low overhead and uh, high upselling. So he says, hey, you, look, you look really good. You must be making a lot of money, uh, you know? So Amalei Rebuda said to him, Let me tell you something. Both of those things are forbidden for Jews to do. We don't lend on interest nor... Do we raise PIGs? Listen to this. This is incredible. There's 24 bathrooms between my home and the base medrash. I'm so careful to remove the toxins from my body. That's how I'm so healthy. That's how I remain healthy. That's how I remain with a good countenance. Because... When you allow, the, when you don't hold it in, and you allow the toxins to leave, 
that's very healthy, and that's what gives me, my body, a good shine. He was giving him a, a, a lesson in medicine. Okay. Here you go. Rav Yehuda, ki ozil lebe midrasha. When Rav Yehuda came to the, uh, came to the base madrish, shakil gufa al kaspe. He would carry a gufa, he would carry a pitcher, a jug on his shoulders. Omar, he said, g'dayla malacha shemechabedes es bala. It's great to work because it honors the one who does it. Okay. So, um, what this, what he's, what he's saying over, what Rabbi Yudah is saying over here is, is that even though it doesn't look so great for me that I'm carrying these pictures, but to make use of your time and put work in as you're walking to a base medrash is is going to serve me well down the road. Rav Shimon shakol al kasvei. Rav Shimon carried a basket, al kasvei on his shoulders. Amari said, How great is work that it honors the one who does it. Meaning, there's no mitzvah to be busy, but there's a mitzvah to be productive. There's a big difference. Anybody who's had a little bit of life, been around a little bit, knows there are many people who are busy, are busy, are busy, and then you look at their level of productivity, you're like, where's the productivity? What's going on? And there are many people who are not busy at all. Because they're focused on being productive. Rebuter and Shimon are saying productivity, creation, working, putting that in, putting the, the effort into something, brings honor to a person who performs it. Now again, not everything we do, on the flip side you could say, let's play devil's advocate for a moment, uh, on the flip side you could say, that, hey, j- just doing work itself is a chashva thing as opposed to sitting around in a chanami. <laughs> That's true as well. If, you're, you know, if a person has an option to do nothing or to go engage in some sort of effort, it's kedai to engage in some sort of effort. Uh, you know, we're not supposed to, you know, we're, uh, our goal is adam la'amal yulad. We're going to be, we're going to work. But past that as well, in a, a level past that is to do what we can, not only to work, but to create an element of, of uh, productivity. The Bishud Rabbi Yehuda, Nafak Noktas Amra, Rabbi Yehuda's wife, Nafkesh, she went out, Noktas Amra, to buy fr- uh, uh, from a sheep. So she went to buy wool. Ovid Glima, and she made a garment, the Hutve, the Hutve, a nice garment from the wool. Kad, Kad Nafkas Lashuka Mechaisabe. When she would go out, she wore the coat. When Rav Yehuda would go to shul, she wore the coat. Rav Yehuda did not have a lot of money. And him and his wife shared a coat. They had one coat for the whole family. And when he would wear it, he would say, Thank you, Hashem. Who allows me to have a coat? Zimna Chada one time Gaza Reb Shimming Amli Al Tanisa Reb Yehuda Yosel Lebei Tanisa. One time there was a fast that Reb Shimming Amli created, and Reb Yehuda did not show up during the fast. Okay, he didn't show up. Usually people would show up during a fast to daven to learn, bring schosim. He didn't come. Amrin Lei Lei Islei Kisuye. Reb Yehuda is not here because he didn't have any. And uh, he didn't have any clothes. That's how poor he was. He pushed it, didn't have any clothes to be able to come today. Okay. 
Shadar lei glimei v'loi kabul. Rav Shimon ben Gamliel gave him a coat. He sent a coat to Rav Yehuda's house so he can get dressed and come to yeshiva. V'loi kabul and Rav Yehuda, uh, Rav Yehuda refused to come. Top of, top of Dafnun. Dali tzifsa. And he picked up a mat. Okay, he picked up a mat. V'omar... Um, and he said to the shliach, whoever of Shingliel sent to him, do you see what there is here? Now, the, uh, what happens over here, Rashi and the Ram both explained to us there was a big miracle that happened. And what happened was he picked it up and there were gold coins that were underneath the mat. But he says, I don't want it because I don't want to... I don't want to have any sort of benefit from this world. We'll just end off, we'll, we'll stop with this, but we'll end off with a, um, uh, a Misa brought down. I forget which Rashiva this was, but apparently there's, there's a more recent story. There was a Bachar from a Yeshiva that, you know, the, the culture was, the culture in the Yeshiva was, you, see, you go after post high school, you spend a few years in Yeshiva, and one of the guys in the yeshiva, after a few months, went out to be involved in business. And he would still come around that night. He'd still come around the night, do a little bit of learning. But he actually started making some serious cash. Started making some serious cash. And um, he started coming, you know, nice car, nice clothes. And some of the other guys in the yeshiva were jealous. They were jealous. You know, they're 19 years old. And they're, you know, they were still in the, you know, yeshiva program, whatever it was. And their buddy, whose last year was with them, is now also learning at night, but making some cash. He's doing, seems to be doing guns fine. And they asked the yeshiva, but then maybe that, that's what they should be doing too. Maybe it's time to go out and get a job. Start earning some money. So the yeshiva said, you can gather all the guys together in the base medrash tonight Gather everybody in the Mishnah tonight, and I'll, and I'll give a shmooze to everybody. I'll give a shmooze to everybody. They get together the yeshiva. This is what happens. The yeshiva starts talking, and he starts talking about this bachar specifically. He says, it's a good bachar, it's a good... He says, for this boy, Baruch Hashem, he's getting bracha from the Rabbani Shalom, his business is doing well, he's uh, God's fine. He says, I'm going to make everybody here a deal. I'll make everybody here a deal. And he pulled out stacks and stacks and stacks of cash. $20 bills. Stacks of $20 bills. There must have been tens of thousands of dollars there. And he takes, he unwraps all of it. And he throws it all at the guys in the yeshiva. And he says, take it, go, take it. You could have, you could have it. You could have it. And guys start bending down, picking it up. Guys are getting, uh, one guy gets $100, $500, $1,000, $1,500. They're just like, they're fine. All the money's picked up. And he says, okay, everybody sit down. And he says, here's what's going on. You can keep the money. I'm just letting you know. You're welcome to keep it. All the money that you keep is deducted from your heavenly bank account. So you could choose. Hold on to the money. Or you can have a heavenly bank account. That's your choice. 
and all of these guys are all hemming and hawing, like what, what are you, you going to do? What he was telling them is as follows. There's a mitzvah to work, there's a mitzvah to earn money, should be gezunt, money, for some reason, there's like this negative thing about money, money is such a hilig thing, it's a hilig, money to be embarrassed, it's, something, it's, it's crucial, but a person has to know the time and place to do the right thing. If, my, if the right thing right now is to be in shul, if the right thing right now is to be learning Torah, if the right thing right now is to be in yeshiva, so that's where I'm supposed to be. You don't need to be looking at somebody else. And if you want to give that up, fine. Everything has a trade-off. Or do you say, listen, at this stage of my life, I have this chos to be learning in a yeshiva. And I'm, I have a merit to learn Torah at 12 hours a day. All right, I'll have my time. So I won't start when I'm 19. I'll start when I'm 22. I'll start when I'm 25. Whenever it is. Got to be now. Everything's a trade-off. There's <laughs> there's earning there's earning in this world. There's earning in the le- in, in the next world. So we have to be we have to be aware of that what Rabbi, what Rav Yehuda was telling the shliach to send back to Rav Shimon Gamliel. Rav Gamliel is sending him a garment. He says, "Please, God." Rav Yehuda says he lifts up a mat, and there's gold coins there. He was poor. He says to the yid, he says, "If I wanted the money, the rabbanu shalom would send me the money." But I'm, I'm busy depositing long-term investments. That's what I'm busy. I'm busy with my long-term investment. He says, I, I don't need it. I don't need that over here. Okay, we'll hold it here for today. Bezhem will pick up with Dafnun, page 50, tomorrow. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening.